Hello and welcome to the Art Guide Australia podcast with Tiani Mikus. In our conversation series, we delve a little deeper to hear directly from artists, and for this episode, I spoke with Arlo Mountford. With a practice encompassing animation, installation, sculpture and drawing, Mountford's work is characterised by an ongoing investigation into the Western art history canon, as well as our assumptions and ideas about history, originality and the concept of the new. Broadly speaking, your work deals with questions of art history and our understanding of history. When did this first become a topic that you were interested in? Pretty much still when I was at VCA, kind of trying to work out how you made work when there was all this history that was already there. I mean, it kind of felt like a bit of a burden, like how do you make work if all this work has been made and what is that? what kind of weight does that bear upon anything you do make? So it, kind of, it was kind of a way of reacting to that problem. So I tried, yes, I tried to treat history in a lighthearted way as a way of kind of negotiating that um, weight. So then when you're beginning to think about a new work, what's your process in deciding what you'll appropriate from the art history canon? It can, it starts with something quite simple. Like, so for example, 100 years, it's literally 100 years since Malevich had exhibited the black square so it was just a case of all right let's start with that and then see where that takes me and it's pretty flippant from that point on almost in the sense that it I try not to I mean I definitely uh really there's certainly artworks that really mean a lot to me but I try to treat them as equally as possible and so being flippant with them is kind of my way of doing that <laughs> maybe <laughs> So yeah, the process is a, the process is kind of part hum, partly led by humour and like oh that would be funny if I put that with that, and then um, sometimes it's a case of well this was going on at that time. So why is it that you generally only in- include references from modernism onwards? I don't really know why that is. I, th- I guess it's just because of the way we learn history. A lot of the time, the work is just res- well, my practice is responding to the way I've been taught history as much as. It is to histories. You're always quite careful to juxtapose anything from the canon with these, I guess, quote-unquote, lowbrow popular culture references. How do you see these two facets as interacting? There's this kind of misconception that they aren't interacting, maybe. Like the canon is separate to popular culture sometimes, that whole kind of highbrow, lowbrow distinction, which obviously doesn't really exist. And so... Um, there's probably something um, amiss for you just in me asking that very question. Yeah, possibly. Uh, well, I just I was thinking of like my most blatant use of popular culture. I would be something like I used to work, which um, like I animated uh, one of the chase scenes from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> and that was like but inside a gallery, and so it was a deliberate kind of like you know here's this other really terrible thing that we've also made, maybe. (laughs) You know what I mean? So maybe that that was the, yeah, that we kind of ignore. Uh, Well, you know, we don't ignore, but we kind of um, don't acknowledge, maybe. You often bring real people into your works, say in a past animation you brought in Patti Smith and Duchamp, and it sometimes ends in disaster for them. You know, in this case, they get slaughtered. And it's not really unusual for that to happen. What's going on with that in your work? So, so what, yeah, why, why do they die? 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, There is this kind of one figure in uh, work I did for Heidi, which is kind of a mixture of Melbourne artists that is beheaded at one point. And that's almost like a sacrifice. So maybe it's to do with like killing off, I don't know, the past or, or kind of some eatable thing. I don't know. I think it's also just because it's animation. And so you kind of, there's like that, you can get away with something when you make an animation that maybe you can't get away with in other ways. In your current exhibition, Out of Time, you talk about approaches to our understanding of time in history. And one approach is where we see time as a linear progression. And the other is the idea of being out of time. Can you talk through these approaches and what you think they mean for the traditional art canon? Well, I think the way I talked about it there was suggesting that like the, the progressive art canon is history, I guess. But obviously, if you're not contributing to that canon, then in some way you're you're not a part of history. And so that was that's why I kind of got like that idea of out of time because obviously it's not true at all. And we're constantly reinterpreting the canon and rewriting it. And I think maybe that's how the canon shifted over the last twenty to thirty years or more, where it's still a really flawed idea, but it's now being rewritten. But that in itself is a problem maybe because we don't, we kind of need to destroy the canon altogether. Like we need to stop thinking about history that way maybe, but I don't really have an answer to another way of thinking about it basically because time still just keeps moving forwards. So inevitably one thing does lead to another, but maybe the people that are writing that kind of line, that that's where the problem lies. So the people that are deciding that this led to this. If that's the case, why do you think we desire then to construct history in a linear line? I think because it kind of is easier to think about history that way. I mean, it's much easier to kind of, because you don't, there's no, there's no real responsibility for you. If you're think if you think of history as that line, then the responsibility is kind of you don't need to feel responsible for it. But if 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 you do think that history is this kind of thing that is 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 constantly moving and needing rewriting and, and readjusting, then ultimately you're you're kind of responsible for that because your perspective um sways how it's rewritten or reread. It must be interesting because in order to think about history differently, history is also the place your work starts from. Is that problematic for your practice? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think it's like a it's a constant. Although, I, I mean, I, I have a desire to kind of rewrite history. I always end up using the canon to kind of signpost where we might be in history as well. Do you know what I mean? Because it kind of, you, you end up using, I don't know, a, a, a Warhol Brillo box to kind of say, oh, remember, pop was going on then. And that's the, pro- that's, that's, that's the other thing that you kind of, if you think of history as this thing that is constantly from whoever's thinking about its perspective, you always end up referring to that straight line in order to keep it in order. Um, So it's kind of like a a balancing act, really, rewriting that line but also keeping um, track of where you might be in relation to that line. Talking about that idea of the new, it's also what's at stake in your unboxing digital drawings. Can you talk about what they're about? So the unboxing uh, thing or phenomenon, I guess you might call it on on YouTube, is that idea of people vicariously opening 
packaging for new products. Um, and, and usually the films are shot from that kind of perspective of the almost like a first-person kind of computer game perspective where you, the hands are in front of you as they would be if they were your hands. And so, you, yeah, you get this kind of, I think we said Benjamin calls it the phantasmagoria of the new, like the idea that the new is only that moment and then the sudden it's, it becomes old instantly. And so what that YouTube phenomenon does is it kind of just keeps you in that moment of the new. You don't actually have to experience the old. So it's kind of like this nice um, moment. So what the drawings, what I've done with the drawings is I've taken stills from those, a couple of those videos and then redrawn them. And so they become kind of, Static, they're no longer um, reaching the point where, they, where you feel the new, but they also don't, um, you know, it's almost, almost like stopping them somehow. I guess you're kind of uh, perhaps delaying that sense of the new that we find so gratifying. And I wonder what then you say to a few contemporary theorists and critics who seem pretty desolate about the fact that there's apparently nothing new in contemporary <laughs> art anymore. Yeah. I'd- yeah, I don't know about that. That just seems people always want to think they're at the end of, or the or some kind of moment where it's either the end of something or the beginning of something, and maybe it's just things are happening. So whenever someone says, "Oh, we, there's no there's no more history anymore" or anything like that, you just kind of went, "Well, of course there is," because you just said there was no more history, and that's a part of history. You saying that, and then five minutes later we find out that there is more it's just kind of uh, yeah I don't subscribe to the idea that there's nothing new just getting back to your current show can you discuss the animation in out of time it's called incongruence and it kind of starts with a prelude which is kind of me acknowledging some of the ideas surrounding the actual making process because this is actually it's actually animated in 3d using blender which is um some really amazing open source 3D software, and but also acknowledging that idea of so because I'm now rendering, um, rendering, animating in 3D. There's this kind of desire to kind of make things realistic or photorealistic, especially in that kind of 3D community, which is really odd. So I kind of yeah, it kind of has a few little hiccups at the start where it thinks about what it's trying to do, but then it eventually um, starts to address the canon. Um, but it's called incongruence because it's, try, it's, it's, messing, it's addressing the canon incongruencies or as an incongruent thing, so kind of juxtaposing multiple canons that are um, happening at the same time and that incongruity of that clash. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's essentially just characters moving through that history, but it's all um, like it pretty much starts off in a art gallery in outer space. So it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> it's um, yeah, and it just it just gets up to the beginning of the nineteen sixties, really. So it's a kind of dealing with apart from the prelude that I just mentioned, it deals with the period nineteen forty five to nineteen sixty five. Do you have characters or specific references in the animation? So, well, the characters are just these kind of um, androgynous kind of figures that just move through this 
space that I've built. And inside that space, there is a lot of references to artworks and, and, um, but also contemporary kind of current affairs, I guess, at some points and, um, um, periods and, and dates, I guess. So when you look at history in this way um, and you're recontextualising and appropriating these great moments or apparently great works and you're seesawing between kind of parody and respect for this history, it seems as if you're both critiquing it and celebrating it. Is that a binary that you've ever wanted to resolve? No, I don't think so. Like, um, it's certainly that binary that keeps it, keeps the work moving. Um, to be kind of oscillating between that those two uh, ideas and and quite I mean quite often if I'm making a work that might be more um more I, want, I don't really want to say it, but say more serious I'll probably make a less serious work at the same time so I can actually physically oscillate between two being like being more flippant or less flippant maybe <laughs> so uh yeah that that I don't think that I don't think I ever want to resolve that really and I guess that links to something with this current exhibition, which is so apparent throughout all of your work, is a sense of humour. And sometimes it's quite slapstick and silly, but it's also quite ironic and self-conscious. And I was wondering, what's this uh, ongoing need for these witticisms and jokes? Well, it's a couple of things. Like, one, it makes it more fun for me. Uh, and the other thing would be that it's... Um, uh, it allows you to say things that you might not be able to say. Like any kind of, you know, a comedian can say something that a politician can't, for example, is kind of that. Um, so I like to kind of use that space. But also it's just a kind of general don't take yourself too seriously philosophy maybe. Your work focuses quite a lot on the position of the artist and the artist seems like someone caught between various systems and legacies while also trying to work out the divide between sincerity and irony and the place of their own subjectivity. What interests you about focusing on the artist in your work? Uh, I think, it, well, yeah, I think it comes out of that same self-reflexivity that maybe you find in comedians. Yeah, it's that idea that because the uh, this kind of general philosophy about how to think about history ends up with it being the responsibility of, of the individual, then that individual in my case at least is me being an artist so I guess that it's kind of tied into that that kind of self-reflexivity yeah. Do you have a sense of self-consciousness about being an artist yourself? Yeah yeah I used to be um you know I would never tell anyone I was an artist but now I do the opposite like where it's really because it's really daggy you know like you just so I just say it out loud and like it inevitably Right, annoys people, or um, or they're okay with it, or you know, they're, well, they're just scared. Because if you so, if you say confidently that you're an artist, because artists never do, people just go, oh, right, uh, you know, I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, I mean, it is, it is, it, 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 it's embarrassing to say you're an artist sometimes, and so it's kind of, um, maybe it's tied into that. And that was Arlo Mountford discussing his practice and most recent exhibition, Out of Time, showing at Sutton Gallery. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast and remember to keep in touch with Art Guide Online or pick up a copy of the print edition to keep up to date with art-related news, articles and previews from around Australia.